Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Just, yeah, no, uh, just call it a Q&A Thursday, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm recording. It is Thursday, which means it's time for the front free Q&A with me, Adam with the one and only Chris Hennage. Evening. Changing it up, changing it up. Uh, Lawrence McKenna's here as well, as always. We're sorry it's late. As well as the stat man, Dave O'Brien. Buongiorno. Buongiorno, guys. Apologies, as Lawrence said there, a day late. A few little hosting issues. We're hoping this is going to get into your ears somehow, hopefully. Um, but thank you so much for listening once again. This is actually potentially the last time you'll hear my Oops. dulcet tones for ever. six oh. whole weeks. I'm not, not ever, Lawrence. I'm not dying or anything like that. You, are you six going to Columbia? I'm going traveling for six weeks around North America, South America, things like that. I'm, I'm still hoping to come on a podcast. Will um, you see any MLS in that time? Will you see any... Uh... I don't think I will, but I have been, I've been told to go to a Colombian football game. I've been told that I have to do it. It's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. So I'm hoping uh, to go to a Colombian football game. MLS, not so much. Put that um, on your bucket list. Exactly. Um, but... If you don't hear my voice, guys, you're going to be hearing Chris. He's going to be, well, it's pretty much a permanent fixture of the, of, of the podcast as it is. But he's going to be in, so you should, you should be well covered for all your football news, all your football analysis. He's getting paid that Adam now. big money now. That's exactly. what he's getting. The That's big the big difference. Bucks on your way, the big bucks from Adam. Uh, if anyone, but surely, Adam, if, if anyone's got, if anyone's got uh, any recommendations for you, Adam, surely yeah, people should send me away. Please do send me uh, recommendations at board on Twitter. I'm going to San Francisco, Las Vegas, Canada, and yeah, Peru and Colombia. So if you've got any uh, really amazing experiences that I just cannot miss, then please do. I've, really had Vegas. Tra- I've had some great travel advice from uh, one Colombian today, uh, Mateo, a friend of the show, who just said, don't wear your watch outside in Colombia. I was like, cheers, mate. That's uh, sound advice. <laughs> uh, before we get into the Q&A, however, let's... Let's do comment of the week. As always, some great reviews coming in. Uh, one from uh, 492 from the USA. He said, great job, lads. Five stars. One that said, three stars. Sort out Dave's mic. Um, Dave, you sort out your mic? Uh, probably not. Sorry. You sound pretty good today. You sound great. Um, another one from Stephen Spurs. Spurs fan said, a true masterclass, the pinnacle of podcasting. Oof. The front three is a true gem. Five stars. But comment of the week this week goes to Risky Kaneke FC. So best analysts of the beautiful game. Love these lads. Best podcast out there. Seen Adam really grow in his ability to analyze and rate and host the show. Also got a lot of fellow Spurs supporter. Probably my favorite parts of the show include Dave's tactical analysis of the games as well mm-hmm. as his detailed player analysis. Yep, yep, yep. And nothing beats a good old philosophical rant about the development of modern day football from Lawrence and Chris. Never miss an episode on SoundCloud. I'm looking forward to more classy displays from these lads. Love the show from Jack, Jack, well, call me this week. Thank you so much. Uh, That's good. Because, really just nice because Chris is philosophical, literally, he just gets lumped in with me. There you go. I love yeah. a good philosophical <laughs> rant. And whatever like Kristen does. Good. And, See you later. Yeah, and Chris. And um, <laughs> Chris Wall, if you ask me. Yep. <laughs> Let's uh, get into the questions then. Straight in. You guys have been sending them in. Um, I'm going to stick around for a, uh, three or four questions. Before. I've actually got packed because I'm leaving tomorrow and I haven't done any packing. Um, so the first question this week is from Eddie MUFC does Adam Boltwood regret betting against Latan scoring 20 plus goals after his preseason and Premier League debut hashtag Gary Goals the hashtag sending the questions this week was Gary Goals oh. thank you so much Eddie do I regret it I mean Dave you feeling confident very confident Latan Ibrahim I was a little bit worried after that uh, that opening day performance but 
to be fair, we did say league goals. I just want to reiterate that. Yeah, no, it's got to be twenty league goals. Man, yeah, I'm um, cool with that. Still, I don't regret it because much, if so. I lose, I get a sweet blonde hairdo. You know, Messi's made it. Sweet. You know, popular now. I'm going to look pretty swish. I think so. I'm all good. I'm, I'm happy. Are you already trying regret. to play this down? Basically, yeah. You still got uh, moving on, Matthew. To go. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Uh, great question here from Matthew Ross. Get into the big topic this week. Do Man City really need to sell Joe Hart and bring in Claudio Bravo? Uh, Dave, we'll come to you first on this one. As a Man United fan, you're great rivals. Pep Guardiola has decided Joe Hart isn't the man for him. I think there's obvious reasons in terms of his uh, his composure on the ball. At the same time, uh, and I said this to Chris earlier in the week on a, on a video on TFR, he's given Raheem Sterling another chance, which seems to be paying dividends. Why not Joe Hart? Well, I think it's a case of two different players in two different positions. Joe Hart's average pass accuracy is 59% at the Premier League last was 59% at the Premier League last season. Compare that to Claudio Bravo, his is up at like 84%. Obviously, a different team, but a team that wants to go that same way down that Barcelona route. I think there's um, there's actually an issue with his game. I read an article today that was talking about how he was struggling to control the ball with his weaker foot and put it onto his stronger foot to play long-range passes. And if that is an issue, that's something that Pep, basically what Pep Guardiola does, you know, he plays out the back either way, whether you've got two centre-backs with a DM in between um, or three centre-backs with a DM dropping deep. His out ball, if you press that, is um, a long kick or a long pass to the full-backs. And I think ta- that tactically Joe Hart may not be able to pull that off every single time as much as you'd want. And potentially that is too big an issue. But I think with Claudio Bravio, he's absolutely awesome. What a goalkeeper, you know. Most clean sheets in La Liga. Um, I think if you look since he joined Barcelona, I think he's the top of the list there. But he's just a he's just a really commanding goalkeeper. I think a keeper that would suit the Premier League, suits Pep Guardiola, and for me, is an upgrade on Joe Hart. Dave, there's, there is no question over either goalkeeper, I think, in terms of some of their qualities. I mean, you know, Joe, Joe Hart has been labelled by some of the top goalkeepers in the world as you know, one of the best. Uh, Buffon said it. I think a number of other goalkeepers have said it in different press conferences when asked about confidence, those sort of things. Uh, and some of the people who've trained with Joe Hart say he's the best natural goalkeeper that anyone's seen in, in you know, in generations. Um, you know, and that's not insulting to someone else. What I am interested about, though, is the s- statistics that some people use. So, for instance, what I want to know is, you know, when you were talking about 59% of the passes, does that count also as long passes? Or what, what, are, you talk- what are you talking about when you say pass? Or I guess that's, I guess that's, that's you can quantify that from your own stats, but I guess other people have got different stats, right? Yeah, so that that's his distribution. So that's not that's not playing goal kicks. That's not throwing the ball out. That's not. Um, Is it a long kick thing? So could that be? Could that be? A long it could kick? be a long pass. Let's call it Lawrence, because a long okay. kick will pull into that category of it being a set piece. Is how I want to put it. So Great. that's why I'd prefer to uh, you know put the term as a long pass. I think if you, you you know if you compared the two goalkeepers in terms of their long passing, again Claudio Bravo will definitely 100% come out on top there. Could you um, also say though, Dave? I mean, sorry to cut you off. Could you also say uh, though that Joe Hart was in theory playing in a team with people who weren't putting themselves in as good a position as maybe a team that's coached to put themselves in a good position, and therefore Joe was maybe being set up for a fall in that case. Yeah, I think that's definitely it. No, I, I actually thought Joe Hart would be a perfect Guardiola player, you know, yeah. leader in the team, quite cocky um, and looking like he could improve. But maybe this is this Guardiola taking the spirit out of the team and making it his own, you know, ripping the heart out. But it's interesting. Like, uh, left Barcelona. Yeah. Left <laughs> Pun intended, Dave? Yeah, kind of good. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> the, the, in- the interesting thing, Chris, is the, the quotes that Guardiola came out with uh, last week. He sort of said, you know, maybe there are other goalkeepers with more quality uh, than Joe has at his feet. But he said, well, Joe, if training can do it, not now, though. That's the whole problem. He said, it's not about what happens in six, seven months. It's about what happens now. Is that the, the, the point Guardiola is trying to get to? He needs someone who can do this now. He can't wait for Joe Hart to improve, you know, towards the end of the season. Definitely. You need to essentially enact short-term change in Guardiola's case because he's being judged, I think, with potentially the harshest critics in the game at the minute. If he fails, then it will arguably impact so much more of his uh, perception. And I think, in fairness, he he gave Hart a chance to show that he could do it. The game against Arsenal, if you watch back those highlights, there was someone on Reddit who actually curated all of his touches and he didn't look comfortable trying to pass it out from the back. Dave talks about the statistics. If you look, just to Go compare count. last season, twenty it was an average pass length for both players. Claudio Bravo came in at 27 
meters 0.78. Joe Hart's 42.8. So it's clear to draw from that that actually Joe Hart prefers to play it long compared to, to Bravo. If it's a if it's a cornerstone of Guardiola's tactics, which it seems to be, in fact, it seems to be a cornerstone of the Spanish way in general, because I think Gary Neville talked about that on Monday Night Football, the fact that goalkeepers are involved a lot more in the technical side of things yeah. than here in England, then he has to get a goalkeeper that can essentially play that way because it's going to be a foundation of how they play this season. And if he doesn't, I think, make that decision, then he's only going to do himself a disservice. And equally, if you go back to the very start of his managerial career at Barcelona, when he was just the former midfielder promoted from Barca B, he cut a number of big names from that team, the likes of Deco and, and players that had been central to the success previously. He just stripped them away because in his eyes, they weren't fit for purpose, which is not to say they're bad players. They just don't work in the system he wants. Interesting. I mean, in terms of where we go from here, Lawrence, Liverpool have been linked, but Ronald Koeman's come out today and suggested he could make a move for Joe Hart. We're not quite sure if that's going to be on loan, as BBC was suggesting today. That's something that Joe Hart could be looking at. I mean, would you like to see him at Liverpool? Do you think maybe it's best for him to go to Everton, where they've also got Martin Stecklenburg, who impressed in the first game of the season, but obviously Joe Hart is potentially a longer-term option? I don't think um, Stecklenburg would be particularly happy to be at Everton and be sort of sitting on the bench behind Joe Hart, though. although that would obviously keep the first uh, team competitive in that sense. Um, I mean, personally, at Liverpool, I wouldn't want Joe Hart to be there just because I don't know. I mean, I'd be, I'd be interested to see how Liverpool fans were warm to him, um, but I think they, they need a, a different kind of goalkeeper, and I'm not sure whether Joe Hart's that man. Um, I mean, I could be completely wrong. And that, you know, that they're, 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 I think Pepe Reina really set a mould for what Liverpool fans want, which is kind of this charismatic, funny goalkeeper. There are elements that maybe Joe Hart would sort of rub up against the Liverpool fans. Uh, I don't think he's a bad guy. I just sort of, you know, I just think there's a, a difference in maybe uh, background. Um, and I think Liverpool are kind of looking for someone who's not so clean cut, maybe. Um, although that would probably then go against... Carius because I mean he is one of the most clean cut good looking mm. guys you're probably going to see in the game um, but then you know Liverpool have had those in the past all I'm saying is I'm not sure that I want to have that goalkeeper that I cringe every time and therefore I'd rather give Carius <laughs> uh, the chance uh, than maybe Joe Hart um, having said that you know I still think Joe Hart's a fantastic goalkeeper and actually I think uh, someone like Everton would be fantastic the problem is for him then uh, he's he's in the short term, taking a step down, although he may in the long term be part of a side that's definitely got, you know, European ambitions. Mm. What about the other big news today, Lawrence? Christian Benteke, Palace have reached an agreement, £27 million. Um, he's travelling to London to have a medical and finalised terms yeah. with the London club. I mean, what do you make of this one? Obviously, it hasn't quite worked out for him at Liverpool. Best for him, best for the club? Um, I think it looks that way just because he doesn't seem to suit the way that uh, Klopp wants to play. Uh, I don't necessarily think that's because uh, he lacks the qualities. I think it, it was partly down to mentality, or at least that's what Klopp seems to be um, sort of intimating towards or people from within the club seem to be saying. Um, you know what? I don't think anyone at Liverpool really holds it against him. He, I, uh, there are a lot of fans at the time who said he looked lazy or didn't look like he was trying. I don't particularly believe that, having seen him play live. I think five or six times last season for longer than just a substitute appearance. Um, I, you know, for that reason, I, I don't hold much against him. I think he's still a quality striker. I think he'll come good at another club. I don't know if that's Palace because I don't know how much I trust Pardew. I would have liked to see him go to a slightly <laughs> bigger club with slightly better aspirations than Palace. That's not uh, slight on Palace, but it's definitely um, a criticism of Alan Pardew. Uh, you know, mm. 30 million is a lot for a striker still. Um, and, you know, I think Liverpool will go in a different direction. And like we said with Joe Hart, it's not necessarily a commentary on him and uh, what he's doing. It's more just that he doesn't fit in with the plans. It's, it also seems as if Danny Ings is on his way out of Liverpool, which a couple of people will be upset about. Really? Actually, I think he's a bit of a fan favourite um, in that, you know, he's Danny Ings. Uh, but I don't know if that, you know, he's a great finisher he's, and he seems to have a really good natural uh, touch. I, I've really enjoyed watching him. I think he was great in preseason on the Klopp, but he hasn't seemed to be able to get back into the team since. Uh, that's partly uh, through experimentation, partly, I think, through fitness. Um, let's see. I'll be interested to see with Danny Ings. I think if, if he is going to go anywhere, I think it would be on loan. But that's interesting. Yeah, Jurgen Klopp seemed to suggest the other day, oh, you know, Danny Ings is, is part of his first team plans. Didn't really give the same assurances about Benteke and Balotelli, obviously. We've seen Benteke move Chris. It is a big fee. 
but Palace needed a goal scorer. It makes sense in that regard. The question uh, coming on Twitter is, can he be, David Shanahan says, can he be Palace's Gary Goals, Chris? What do you reckon? <laughs> I think he can. I was just almost kind of laughing myself there as Lawrence was talking about Danny Ings. I know from a Newcastle perspective, we would absolutely kill for a striker Exactly, like that. yeah. Um, well, would you kill for Balotelli, Chris? Because apparently he's willing to go down the leagues. Would you murder for him, Chris? Would you? Would you? Would you stab no, a knife? I mm? think. I think he's. I think at the minute, a club like Newcastle needs uh, good characters as well as good talent, and I just feel like Balotelli is is too difficult to predict. Um, sure, as as for Benteke, I think he works in a lot of ways. He, he obviously didn't suit Liverpool. I think from the minute he got there, but stylistically, he works a bit better with Pardew. There's a bit more of a direct angle with him. I think. In general, from whenever I've seen Pardew succeed, it's usually been founded on someone who can hold the ball up and play that kind of role. Someone like Marlon Harewood, Demba Barr, this big kind of striker who's not afraid to, to get physical with defenders. It is also, I think, a little bit of a last chance saloon for him. If it, if it doesn't work with Benteke, then you have to think he'll be out on his ear relatively soon. Because this is, this is still a big amount of money, especially for Palace. Um, I think... It was Ed Malian, the, the Mirrors uh, European guy who was also a Palace fan, said himself they couldn't have dreamt about a player like Benteke a year ago. Um, and I think that is quite telling. Although saying that, I was looking at his numbers and, you know, you look at the first season of Villa, it's great. I think he's 19 he gets. And then it's something like 10 and 13 in the two seasons after that. Yeah. So my one concern, that, like I said on Twitter earlier, I don't think you can black and white this deal in terms of good deal bad deal my concern is he may have found his level in those latter two seasons at Villa and maybe the 19 one was just a little bit of an anomaly well that would be my worry is that actually Villa um, Villa were very much on the down then and you know Benteke strikes me as that there seems to be something mental there which he needs to get over um, you know, just from watching his body language and those sort of things on the pitch, that might be a really broad brushstroke. But um, you know, it, it doesn't strike me that Palace are the same positive club that we saw just last season. Um, so I'll be interested to see. You know, essentially they need they need to get rid of the, and I wouldn't call him Deadwood. Uh, they just need to get rid of people from the squad that aren't aren't going to be uh, worth the money and the wages they're spending on them right now. Question here from Question? Liam saying, is Amara's assist and Vardy winner inevitable against Arsenal this weekend? Dave, Amara's obviously signing a new long-term contract at the club. It's, it's really in the stars, this one, though. It's inevitable. Yeah, it's going to happen, isn't it? No, I think what Leicester City last season, last weekend, sorry, were, were quite poor. Tactically, they were um, all over the place, in my opinion. But I think these bigger games, Ranieri will just go back to what they were doing last season. I think O'Brien will start on left wing. Ogazaki will play off Vardy. Mara's on the right-hand side. And then hopefully we'll get to see Mendy play with Danny Drinkwater. Could be a pretty decent combination, those two. But I feel they just need to, you know, get it right with the balance of the team because last week it just wasn't there. But no, I definitely, it's one of those things, isn't it? You know, <laughs> both players, well, Mara's linked with Arsenal, Vardy rejecting Arsenal. It's, yeah, it's in the style. Get him in your fantasy team, ASAP, <laughs> triple captain. Sort it's, of. It is uh, quite cool almost for... For Leicester, Chris to to keep Vardy first of all out of the clutches at Arsenal, and then Mares, who you know just a, a day or so ago we we're hearing he could be tempted away <laughs> by three or four clubs. All of a sudden he's turned around, he's signed a brand new deal. I mean, what can we really into this? Is this a classic case of like with Suarez at Liverpool? We've seen other examples over the years of they sign a big deal only to move on a year later, or is there more of a a loyalty for Mares because there is no buyout clause? We're told. There's not. I don't think that makes a transfer impossible, though. I, th- I think my instinct tells me that this is, is likely a situation where, not in the case of Vardy, but at least in Mahrez, he stays for a year and goes next summer. Um, because actually, if you look at it, <clears throat> the offers haven't rushed in for Mahrez, from what I can tell. I haven't seen any talk of... There was talk of Barcelona, there was talk of Arsenal, but it doesn't seem either team has put a firm bid on the table. There's been speculation that Arsenal have, have talked to Leicester about it, but even then, it hasn't flowed with an ease that makes me think it was ever likely. So stay for a year, see if you can improve. I imagine that's how they sold it, in the same way that Levy sold another year at Tottenham to Modric. Mm. You know, stay, perform brilliantly again, and you will attract the uh, truly elite clubs, which, without wishing to disrespect Arsenal too much, you could argue another great season at Leicester does start to get you interested in the likes of Barcelona and Real Madrid. I've got, I've got to admit, I do, I do find it. I do find the way that Mahrez is, or at least not 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 the way that Mahrez has handled it, but just the quotes which have been more prominent in the press from Mahrez have been 
not particularly committed to the club in that sense. <laughs> it's fair. been sort that's of, fair. you know, there's a couple of clubs I go to and you're a bit like, well, that's fantastic, mate. But you've, you know, I mean, come on, come on. Lawrence, we, we've already had one um, insightful that's debate about bad. Arsenal this week on the Football Republic. I, I recommend anyone to go and check it out um, yeah, to, to see Lawrence in full flow. But, it, I mean, in terms of this one, I, I know... <laughs> I know it'd be unfair to say, oh, Mara is a snubbed arsenal. I think that'd be unfair to, to paint it that way. It is quite obvious that's what happened with Vardy. I mean, how much do you read into this in terms of what it means for Arsenal this season? Because they haven't had a great window. I think it's fair to be said for a number of reasons. But what do you make of their summer and going into the new season with the discord among the fans and, you know, the the, the outpouring once again of drama, as it were, among Gooners? Um... I, I watched I watch Arsenal fan TV on the weekend, which is just a shit show of people getting up. <clears> some of them, there's, if you throw enough negative and positive points out there, then in the end, someone will take one of them. You know what I mean? It was just that they were exploring. It, it's essentially looked like a load of people panicking. And I think, you know, that can sometimes happen in a group. Is, and then everyone just sort of, they almost spitball ideas. And in the end, someone sort of says, well, we need a new defender. And everyone's like, well, that seems quite clear. And then they also say, well, you know, we could have protested. And everyone sort of goes, oh, that seems fairly reasonable, mm. yeah. Mm. And if you say everything, then in the end, one of those things will be right. Um, and, you know, it's essentially that they are frustrated. I think they do want success. But ultimately, it's about perspective as well. I think a lot of people don't seem to report or um, implement the perspective when they're writing about it or maybe reporting on it. Some people seem to say things like, you know, oh, you've, what Wenger's done is not good enough, which I really find unusual. Um, so do you think he's he's harshly judged? Do you think the evaluation of Arsene Wenger and I mean, what Arsenal have achieved is saying isn't isn't fair the way it's viewed by fans well, and I mean, the media? The way that Chris and I sort of, we were having a discussion after we'd done the Arsenal video the other day on uh, TFR and Chris, and I thought you made a good point that, you know, there are a lot of different, from, and I, I, it sort of fed into the point I was making on the video that, A, I don't think the analysis is deep enough of Wenger. It seems to go about as deep as, is he doing what everyone else is doing? No. Therefore, what he do, is doing must be bad because the results that he's getting are bad. Now, I know they've just been taken apart by Liverpool, but at the same time, Liverpool are completely taken apart by Arsenal. I know that they scored the goals and got it to 4-3, but the point is that, and I know it was 4-1 at one point, but they still scored three goals. Why aren't Liverpool panicking that they conceded three goals away from home? Obviously, because they can out-attack the other side, but it, it's still early on in the season. I think it's about balance here and about sort of getting that perspective. It's only one goal, it's only one game, and I think, you know, there are a lot of people, I can't remember who it was that tweeted him, but they sort of said, you know, the knee-jerk reaction about uh, Arsenal is, is quite interesting. And I'm definitely interested in the same. Uh, I also just find it so unusual that people say, if Vardy said it was the easiest decision of his life, it's the same as when someone turns you down and you, you know, when you, I don't know, when someone's going out on a date or something and they're sort of like, oh, do you want to go out on a date? And then someone turns you down and you say, oh, well, oh, what, what's wrong with me? And you say, like, well, actually, it's probably just that they don't want to go out on a date or any of those sort of things. And Vardy seems very happy at Leicester. So don't always put it on yourself. <laughs> it was interesting. We had a, an interview up with, Thierry Henry on, on the Football Republic this week and he gave, he gave a uh, interesting response I'd say to that question you know, we asked him about his, his, the transfer policy of Arsenal over the summer he was like he seemed quite incredulous he's like Vardy turned Arsenal down you know, when he turned Arsenal down I, I, I was like really? I mean fair play to you but come on I, I was surprised by that reaction to it because I, I, can, I can understand why Vardy stayed I was surprised that Thierry Henry gave that gave that sort of candid isn't also, yeah. Is there also an element of being humble there that, or just sort of having a sense of perspective from Vardy and it just sort of being like, well, oh, yeah, good job. You start with your club. You start with the club that you just won the league with and you're a massive prominent face at. Yeah. Well done. That's what I mean, it's it's like, yeah, really, mate? Are you really going to do that? Well, okay, fair enough, whatever. It's kind of like, oh, Henri oh, is a self-confessed Arsenal fan as well, though. I think maybe that skews it slightly. That's and, got something to do with it. And, and to him as well, you've got to understand his his consciousness of Leicester is a team that has never done anything like this in their entire existence and now has won the Premier League. And I think like a lot of people, they actually think that Leicester have sort of burned out now. They've, they've achieved what they maybe never even planned to ever do in their existence and now will fall away as a consequence. So mm. I see why he thinks that. I also see why Vardy didn't go. I, I don't blame him in the slightest. I think actually jumping to Arsenal... Realistically, it ruins his legacy at Leicester because he leaves after a, a small dash of success. Um, and equally, 
there's no chance that he finds any more of that success at Arsenal because, to be truthful, Arsenal are not a guarantee for success at this precise moment. And yet I'm saying that with the caveat of or the, the kind of admission that I also think a lot of the discussion about Arsenal is so superficial on the level of Wenger needs to spend money, he needs to do this, he needs... And people just eject these names that, you know, they've read in the newspapers. He needs to go and buy Lacazette, he needs to go and buy mm. Mustafi, all realistically, you, you then also say that he needs to go by Jamie Vardy while totally ignoring the fact that Leicester were able to win the Premier League with the group of players that they had. Actually, maybe you should be looking at how he's lining up the players and whether there are other aspects and why he's making the decisions he is making. Is it because he is quite literally afraid of the market and, and is almost cowering at some of the prices that's being paid? Or is he doing it with a longer goal ambition in mind? But no one seems to ask him anything like that. It's always, will you spend money, Arsene? It's never, why are you not choosing to, to spend money? Because he has it. And I don't know, I just find the discussion very linear in that sense. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Final question before I sign off. Ashok writes in on Twitter, so I got a you in my A-levels. Any motivational words? Um, there's obviously thousands of celebrities out there tweeting out today, you know, I didn't do well in my exams. Look at me now. So, you know. I'm on a yacht. Go and take a look at them. I'm sure they're extremely helpful. I'm on a super uh, yacht in the Meg. Dave, have you got any motivational words for dear listener Ashok, who didn't do so well in his A-levels today? I think he's got to use that as motivation to fire him on in the future. And if he doesn't, if he, you can't get that inspiration and that motivation from deep inside yourself, you need to go and look in that mirror and see who's there and see what you want to do and see what you want to become. Because... Again, a you means you really haven't fucking tried, to be quite honest. And you need to put a little bit more next time. Sorry, you've got to be harsh, but sometimes you've got, to, you've got to do it. You've got to believe in yourself again. You've got to build yourself back up. Okay? Yes, you down. that's good. Now we're going to build you back up. You've got to Dave's torn you down, now you've got to build yourself back up. <laughs> Dave's definitely just torn you a new one. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah, I mean, I see... Why do I feel like this is how Dave flirts as well? <laughs> He Take a women. good long hard look in the mirror. Look. <laughs> and you've got to ask yourself, why are you rejecting me? Hmm? I've torn you down and now over the next three years I'm going to build you back up. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like I, uh, I'll i be very open. I got BCCC at my A-levels and uh, I haven't really looked back to be honest. I didn't had far from the grades that I needed to get into university. Look at me now. And uh, I loved my degree, which required like, I think it was AAB you were saying or something like that earlier, Adam. Um, so uh, yeah. It did. I mean, uh, your A-levels aren't everything. Um, but no. at the moment they might feel like they are. And I think a lot of, you know, you've got like, I think Dave just said, take that L and learn from it. I think in many ways you can look mm. at basketball. You can probably also look at a couple of other yeah. people Football is actually probably a really good way to look at it, right? Like there are a couple of people out there who have gone down and come back up. It depends on which team you support. I guarantee you there's going to be a, um, a an inspirational story from someone in there who at some point took a hit in their career and then got back up. Yeah, well, again, going back to it, I didn't, didn't um, get the grades to get to university. I went through clearing. <laughs> there's different ways to get there, different ways to climb the mountain, but you just need to find that. Lucas aid inside your bag that's going to get you to the top of the mountain and at the same time don't let, don't let everyone else tell you that a you is like don't let you know essentially I, I enjoy what Klopp said today in his press conference was, I don't let other people <laughs> tell me what to think about Alberto Moreno I know what I think about Alberto Moreno mm. if you guys want to tell me what I should think about him that really doesn't matter to me and I think it feels very similar with this you consider this you to be like a weak left back you don't necessarily have to move him on. Just learn how you can make him better, and then next time you won't make the same mistake. I like this a lot. Yeah. I like that a lot. Didn't well played, uh, mate. Klopp also played. He's like he's playing absolutely mind fuckery with everyone because he's like, "Why does everyone listen to managers?" Isn't that what he said? Yeah, I thought that was I really good. To what we it, say. It, it was. It was really funny that he sat at the front of a room and literally, <laughs> literally confused the fuck out of journalists by going, "Why is everyone listening to what we're saying?" And everyone was taking notes like furiously. Like, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jurgen. That's a really that good point. Wait a minute. If he's no, gosh, you're missing point. the point there. <laughs> Shit. No, I think uh, what, what these guys are saying is true, Ashok. You know, there's plenty of different routes nowadays to success. And, you know, you just, as Dave says, you got to build yourself back up, work hard. And uh, if you if you got that, what did you say, Dave? That strange metaphor there. If you've got the Lucas, the Lucas aid in your bag to it. climb the mountain, 
then Dave's success definitely, definitely is at the bottom of the bottle in many just ways. To drop Lucas Aid in there. If you got yeah. Lucas Aid, how much are Lucas Aid paying you, mate? How much are they paying you, Dave? Uh, I think last time I checked, it was about five hundred thousand pound a day. Yeah, so we've right. just conflated Lucas Aid with success. Yeah. Um, See now, like Paroid would never do that because Paroid are authentic. Paroid. Mm. How much are they paying you? Just, you know, believe in equality. Uh, what I would say to uh, Ashrock is, you're at an age now where you've you've obviously gone through this process and come back with news. I would argue you're probably young enough now to where if you do actually knuckle down, you will be able to change things. So I wouldn't look this gift horse in the mouth and think that ah, I'll bounce back next time. You actually have to go away and do some work now. Yeah. So many metaphors. I mean, it's, I also, it. it's also the case that literally you, you probably have more in your life than just that you. Um, yeah. Although a lot of you know a lot of people are probably going to believe that that's the defining factor there's a lot more defining factors than just mm. and the world the world is literally your oyster nowadays there's so many avenues and technology has given everyone so I mean, many not different but yeah no the, the world is literally your oyster yeah. um, is what i'm trying to say guys with that i'm going to sign off i'll leave these guys to it to answer the rest of your questions Thanks, hopefully i'll be speaking to you over the next week's weeks if i can find the time to come on the podcast i absolutely will because one of my favorite part of the week is talking to these guys about football um and very gratifying that everyone out there listens and, and enjoys and send us the great reviews for now though uh see you in six weeks if i don't speak to you now. have a good trip adam enjoy it thank you, uh, love you. adios uh, safe adios. travels yes, good guy good right guy. i'm literally gonna hang up now yeah, yeah that's fine uh, Bye. We'll see you on the other side. Let's know, you, let's know you get there safe, darling. Bye. We'll do. Bye, love. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile unlimited premium wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15 just 15 bucks a month. So, give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Lovely guy Adam there on his world tour. Uh, try and join him. I think you can buy t-shirts. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Has anyone else seen these comments that uh, Jerry Barton made about Brendan Rodgers? Anyone? No. <clears throat> yeah. Chris, do you find that uh, basically what, uh, what Jerry Barton was saying? And he said something like, that basically he was asked, have you run into Brendan in town? And he sort of said, no, we don't really hang out in the same places. That's because I'm not as brown and I don't ha- my teeth aren't as white. Yeah, I think the inflection given to this was a lot more serious than actually... I sensed he was having a bit of fun. I honestly think Joey Barton has gone up to Scotland to essentially have the most fun possible and stir the pot between the two Glasgow clubs as on a as regular a basis as humanly possible. Yeah, he did also kind of accuse Brendan of having a midlife crisis, though. I mean, it does seem a little bit too on the nose. You, it, I, you almost get the feeling that there's an in-joke there that we're missing out on. Possibly. I mean, I guess the joke is... I mean, that was the thing. I think when he joined Liverpool... He was was kind of his weight was questioned and things like that, and that was what sparked that. And then, you know, I think he he left his wife and and got a new partner. So, again, I I don't think it's as serious as people are making out. I do think it is just someone who is a little bit mouthy, spouting off and cracking a few jokes at someone else's expense. I'm loath to use the B word that is so often bandied about in uh, football. Yeah, uh, 
Bollity. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, good. Uh, where, where should we go next? Uh, I'll bring up the questions, guys, but I'm also wondering, has any been, anyone been uh, listening to what any of the uh, American basketball players have been saying? One American basketball player said the other day, they'd rather win a gold medal at the Olympics than they would win a ring in the NBA. Anyone wow. else? I mean, that, that really is fascinating. Um, anyone else feel that way? It, it doesn't seem to be a thought or feeling that's reflected in football. No, I think it was today, wasn't it? About there was something that came up about how the if Brazil win the Olympic gold, it doesn't actually mean that much to the players and to the to the people in a way. I don't know compared to the you know in comparison to the World Cup, it's pretty small. But it is an interesting one. I think the NBA should be. I don't know. It seems like the Champions League versus international. It seems like in EMBA, maybe the international is still ahead of the NBA. I don't know. Yeah, it's unusual, isn't it? Yeah, the world. World Cup had a different relevance, though, to Brazil because it had the, the ghost of the Maracanazo in the 50s still attached to it. I don't think this Olympics has a similar sort of narrative attached to it, if you will. So I think, if anything, winning the Olympics on home soil, I don't think it'll exercise all the demons of those two World Cup finals, but I think it may help slightly soften the blow. Yeah, I mean, it's, it certainly feels uh, similar now that they've beaten... Who did they beat? 6-0. Uh, uh, Honduras. Uh, Honduras, yeah, exactly. Uh, they beat Honduras six nil, a, a resounding six nil. Uh, you'd say that there are tougher ways to get to any final, but uh, they found it. Gabriel Jesus finding the net, and of course Neymar as well. Six uh, nil, good goals from Brazil, although they didn't really require that much effort. I'm going to bring up some more questions on Twitter in just a second, but uh, before we start the new season of Serie A. Uh, what should we know that we need to be up to date with on uh, the Italian league, Dave? Um, firstly, Juve have um, for, you know strengthened themselves even more with the Paul Pogba money. Higuain's there, Pjanic is there. Um, tactically, they could probably play. You know, they can now definitely play a diamond Pjanic at the tip. They could play a three-five-two. They could play a three-six-one. They've got even more tactical flexibility. Quadrado looks like he's going to be heading back there again. A player that. I just don't understand why it's not worked in the Premier League. Maybe, you know, the managers that have come in, maybe not too keen on him. But if he goes back to Juve, Juve are going to win the league by a country mile. I'd look for Roma as well. Roma are going to be quite interesting. Spalletti obviously doing great, a great job um, since his return to the Stadio Olimpico. Um, really getting the best out of players like Nangaland. And, uh, you know, uh, Zeko started to score goals in pre-season. They've got Mo Salah. Malalas at the back. You know, they've got a pretty decent team, Chesney in goal. So I feel that it'll be Juve one. Uh, Roma second. Uh, Lazio would have been interesting with Bielsa, but that obviously fell through, which is upsetting. <laughs> Two days. De Boer's gone to Inter Milan, replacing Mancini. Um, you know, the big talk of, uh, he's talking Icardi up this week, so expect Icardi to have a great season. My boy Sassuolo as well, um, great result for them today in the Europa League. Um, you know, going through there, Barabi's back there, so they're always a fun team to watch. But, you know, it's, I think it's going to be a good Serie A season. Uh, Paolo Sosa, second season at Fiorentina, had a window to bring players in. Milan, again, you know, um, it always going to be interesting there um, with the new manager, you know, see how he gets on. Uh, Carlos Baca uh, hasn't moved on yet, you know. So, it's, I think Serie A, for me, I, I really like Serie A. I really got back into it last season. It's a lot sort of drama. Out, yeah, a lot of drama. Outranked the Bundesliga last year, so I'm, I'm excited for the Serie A season to kick off. Yeah, the drama certainly is interesting in uh, Serie A, and the Italians have a real good sense of that. Um, it's, it's a vaguely xenophobic comment, but true. Um, Chris, obviously, in Europe the other night, uh, Man City won 5-0, and it was... It was sort of a show of how Pep can flex his muscle at the club, isn't it? It was. I mean, they weren't the greatest from the penalty spot. They were still no, pretty clinical. Another really news. Yeah. No, I, th- I think this is one of those moments. I, essentially, I see the first season for Guardiola fluctuating between dry spots and and peak or peaks and troughs in that sense, mm-hmm. because you will see moments where the the plan and the Entity come to fruition perfectly, and other moments where there are growing pains. This was one of those moments where really the the quality of Man City or the gulfing quality between them and Stour meant that it was a lot easier for them to kind of impart their style on the, the game as a whole. And look, if if anything, I guess it bodes well for the team 
in Europe this season because actually for all the talk of Pep winning the Premier League, I think the bigger goal, much like it was with him at Bayern, is to win the Champions League. Yes, I, yeah, definitely, uh, 100% agree. As is matched by their neighbours, of course, Dave. This weekend, one of the biggest neighbours, and most, the most expensive neighbours of all time, is going to step out for Manchester United. In fact, I think I'm going to be it. Uh, I'm going to be there on Friday night to see Southampton versus Manchester United. Um, the debut of the most expensive football player in history. What are you excited to see from Paul? I think it's his um, explosive nature on the football pitch is going to be exciting. It's really going to change Man United's rhythm in midfield, which again is going to be great. You know, whether whichever role he does play, whether Mourinho goes with the four-two-three-one, which I fully expect him to go with, I'm probably going to see him either sitting next to Herrera or Carrick. I quite like to see Herrera. I thought Herrera was fantastic against Bournemouth. He really controlled the game from deep. He uh, cleaned up quite nicely, played a number of brilliant forward passes and just had an all right game, kept it ticking along. And I think Mourinho hopefully will um, like that. But I kind of think that Michael Carrick will start just because of experience, you know, getting Pogba through his first game. But I think Pogba's, you know, the, the debut goal is on the cards. Pogba scored some fantastic goals in his career, but I really do feel that He's the type of player, the blockbuster, the most expensive player of all time. Adidas want it. Man United want it. To just, you know, smash in a goal from 40, from 40 yards out, top corner. You know, I just feel United this season, it's a, it's a completely different beast. And we've seen them tactically have already moved on from under Lou Van Gaal. And I think the, the interesting one is Wayne Rooney and um, I, I, he will continue in the side. You know, there's another video on Reddit that someone compiled of all of his bad touches against Bournemouth which was quite interesting. Um, you know, a number of things that I highlighted in my video post-game, how he was bringing the ball back um, towards his goal and, and letting Bournemouth reset tactically, which was a bit of an issue for me. Um, you've got to get behind your opposition. You've got to, you know, you've got to continue that break. So where Wayne Rooney plays, how his relationship with Paul Pogba is going to be fascinating. I imagine those two are probably going to interchange positions if Wayne Rooney plays number 10, which is it's going to get Pogba into a better area, an area that I feel that he will eventually play in the number 10 slot. Go and see oh, the rest of Dave's analysis, uh, the things that we, three things we learned for the weekend on Dave Talks. Uh, sort of to follow off the back of that, because Southampton are, of course, playing Manchester United, allegedly, uh, possibly for Paul Pogba's debut. Uh, Dustin Wood says Leicester was the surprise team in 2015-16 in Southampton. With that before Christmas in 2014-15, of course, Christmas coming at the end of the year. Um, who will surprise us this year? Anyone want to put forward what they believe to be a surprise package? It can be anywhere. You know, it doesn't have to be just the Premier League. Um, Premier I feel League. like Reading could be a surprise package. Go on. Um, so Yapstam is the coach previously of Ajax um, and a very illustrious playing career. He, he has a midfield trio, which usually is Danny Williams, the American international, John Swift, formerly of Chelsea, and George Evans, formerly of Man City. And... The, the latter two are around 21, Williams is 27. Mm-hmm. And I just feel as if, I don't know, it's just it's more of a, an instinct rather than anything. They, they haven't had the greatest start of the season. They've lost two of their opening three. Um, but I feel like there's a lot of potential in that side to be unlocked. They managed to get Roy Behrens as well, the Dutch winger, um, formerly of RZ and a few other clubs. So I just think if things click right for them, they could really do all right this season. And I would say the same of Huddersfield as well, actually, because I think... In David Wagner, you've got someone who can extract a lot from a little. Yeah, and it is that, that looks like an. In, I've not seen full matches of Huddersfield, but that is an intense pressing game. It is, it, and he's he's managed to install pace in in the key areas. And actually, in some respects, I feel a little bit sorry for him because he worked with Klopp. So consequently, every comparison is this man is Klopp. He is a, an acolyte of the Klopp system. Yeah. And yet, saying that, having watched them albeit just for one game, you can see similarities, not only in his mannerisms, but also in the style of play. There is a definite shared uh, identity tactic between the two men. And I'll be curious to see, as he kind of grows as a coach and, and moves into his own, how that identity changes and evolves. Because at the minute, it's, it's not a carbon copy, but there are key principles, I think, being installed at uh, Huddersfield through David Wagner. And he seems an interesting guy as well. Uh, yes, uh, and a good name too. Uh, Matt, Fo- I want to say Fotia, uh, almost comes off the back of that, Chris, and says, new Aussie lad Aaron Moy being hyped up over here. Uh, your yes. thoughts on him so far at Huddersfield. Any any feedback? 
Well, funnily enough, uh, I actually tweeted after the game or towards the end of the game that I think he can play higher than the championship. Um, okay, interesting. It Why? was funny. He Well, the thing was, he was going up against John Joe Shelby, and yeah. the two look somewhat similar. Um, and there's a similar, I would say, style of play between the two as well. For me, Moy is someone that actually likes to get on the ball, is very keen to retain it, doesn't always look to, to try that Hollywood pass, maybe like Shelby does. Um, I also think he's very combative. He, he had no problems getting physical. And I just think in general, he's he's someone that... The championship is, is a weird league in the sense that it can feel like a pack of dogs fighting at, at some instances. So fast, so aggressive. And yet every time I watched him, he seemed very relaxed, very composed on the ball. And I think those are the kind of traits that when you watch the championship, those are the players that eventually go up to the top flight are those who don't lose their heads in those crazy moments because it means they're, they're thinking a little bit wider than five yards in front of them. Dave, a good question here from Gary Goals. Uh, Dayson1996 says, uh, hashtag Gary Goals, do you agree that stats don't tell everything uh, about a centre-back? Stats don't show his positioning, leadership, commanding. They don't tell formation in which they play. They don't tell, uh, sorry, they don't say what uh, was his centre-back partner uh, and what that centre-back partner was doing uh, and also what the CDM was doing. And you'd end up thinking that John Terry was the best centre-back of 2014-15 without thinking he was protected like fuck. Well, I think it's an interesting one. Yeah, there is intangibles of every single position. There's intangibles in every walk of life. But I think with football, um, you know, we if you're looking at, say, uh, play analysis, um, stats will highlight certain things. And um, there's underlying defensive stats um, that we'll get for, like, you know, Palace defenders or um, West Brom defenders will be making a load of blocks, a load of clearances. And they'll be ranked the highest um, by those stats. But you've got to dig deeper than that because you've got to think about how much time they defending and, and so forth. So, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, sometimes stats are misleading. But you need to be able to highlight the correct information to, to pass judgment on these players. Um, I love the little comparison he's made there. You know, linking units. I think the, the really interesting for me statistically, if I were given free reign, would be linking uh, units of players, so a defensive midfielder with two centre-backs behind or two defensive midfielders with two centre-backs, and then the frequency of them winning games, they're making certain statistics, you know, making interceptions, covering certain ground, or even an attacking unit, um, you know, two wingers that swap position, are they more effective when they play on either side with an attacking midfielder in the middle with another strike? You know, there's a lot of analysis that's yet to be done in football, and I imagine it's been done at the clubs, but it's not been done uh, media side yet. But yeah, I agree, stats aren't everything. But then that's why you've got to link stats with, with tactics, with psychology, with everything. Football isn't just stats. Football isn't just tactics. That's why it's a brilliant game. It's got it all to the, together. But I, I kind of agree, yes, some stats are definitely misleading for centre-backs. Interesting. Yeah, certainly so. Um, and it, it, it's really fascinating to sort of be able to explore that in the first place, isn't it? And I guess, Dave, you, part of your job every day is to make the statistics that you tweet out more representative is there is there uh, are there regular discussions about that at a company like the one you're at yeah i don't think there is i think there is a, a definite place for having stats that represent you know the performance but then also you've got to look in commercially there's stats that are tweeted out for certain reasons to get retweets and so forth and i think that's just part of the game um i don't think you can have one with the other i think they've just got to live in unison like yin and yang you have stats that are really analyzing football that are going in like um, like the Zlatan stat that I tweeted at the weekend, it hit like 30 retweets, but it was my favourite stat of the weekend. It was that he'd scored more goals from outside the area since the start of last season than any player in Europe's top five leagues. That was my favourite stat of the weekend. I really felt that gave yeah. Zlatan something else. Zlatan is a penalty box striker, but in, if he gets near the penalty area, you know, outside it, he's very, very dangerous. Mm. And yet that doesn't hit the, the heights of a daily blend game by numbers, which I also really wanted to show because... Um, you know, Eric Berry got the pl- Bay got the plaudits, but Daly Blind beat, beat him in every single defensive stat. And I think that Daly Blind was probably better than Eric Bay. You know, he made he won more tackles, he made more interceptions, he made more clearances. There, that, that's the application of, of it again. You, you have your opinion on football. Yeah, I think Eric um, Daly Blind had a fantastic game. You know, there were two situations that really highlighted his, his level of performance: two, uh, a block on Jordan Ibe and a tackle on Jordan Ibe. But the stats as well push out a picture that, yeah, he performed better than Eric Bay did. And I think it's, it's that thing, isn't it? It's linking everything together. But commercially, there's things that you've got to do. And I think that that's got to be accepted, that certain stats aren't from you, but they're just from a point of view of this stat is quite interesting in a way. 
Yeah, well, yeah, definitely, and definitely painting a wider picture. Uh, one stat isn't going to give you everything, but I guess when you pair that up with other information, then you're good. Uh, technological determinism or not. Has HJJD uh, Cornish, Kristen, says, why is it so difficult to find an out-and-out -out DM in modern football? I'd imagine there's a lot of people sliding in the DMs. Um, I think because... More recently, um, maybe apart from the likes of Mourinho, we're trying to find more versatility in our players and players that can contribute in a variety of different avenues. So the notion of being such a position-specific player is a little bit outdated. Um, it's funny because I was listening to an interview with Heath Pierce last night and, and he was talking about being cut from the World Cup squad and how he thinks in retrospect maybe if he'd been able to be a bit more versatile he could have filled a hole in the squad towards the back end, sort of like 17 to 23 spots. And I think there is a there is a space for defensive midfielders in the game period. I don't think it's as exclusively a defensive midfielder, though. It's usually a player who can play right back, left back. I mean, even going back, say, 10 years, Owen Hargreaves was someone that could play a variety of positions, yet really would argue is best as a defensive midfielder. Mm. I think in general it's just a position that maybe isn't considered as valuable, um, especially when you're much younger and playing like Sunday League and kind of, you know, kids' leagues and such like. The notion of playing a defensive midfielder sounds very complex for the situation, so I don't think it's it's maybe given the opportunity to, to flourish there. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different reasons why. Uh, but at one point it was so trendy, or at least it was so... I guess it, it, people were coaching it because that's what they wanted at one time. Uh, you know, so many people reference Makaleli, don't they, Dave? I think the notation of a defensive midfielder has changed. And I think, yeah, like Chris says, it's, it's multifunctional footballers. But there'll always be a place for defensive midfielders. Sergio Busquets is the best defensive midfielder in world football. But you, you see his level, what he's got. You know, his first touch is unbelievable. His passing range is ridiculous. He can see absolutely everything. And then defensively, he's so switched on, it's ridiculous. He controls the game with his movement. Tactically, he's so, so switched on. So I think it's just because... They're, you know, these players are like the Lionel Messi's in their positions in a way that Busquets is at that level. He's so far ahead of, of his peers in a way. But I kind of think what we've seen with defensive midfielders is they've been pushed up the pitch a little bit in terms of Ngulam Conte and Jesse Gay. You look at play, people, uh, people like Vidal, you know, pressers. I think that's like the tactically the trendy thing. So the, the natural DM has kind of fallen out the game a little bit. You know, I don't, I'm not a massive fan of Ngulam Conte at defensive midfield. I think his passing range isn't good enough. And I feel like Chelsea shouldn't play him at defensive midfield. I feel like he should play more of a shuttler role like he was playing at Leicester last season. I think that's kind of the game in football right now is that tactically we're evolving and tactically we want to be more fluid. Tactically we want to play this formation, that formation in the same game. So to have like a natural defensive midfielder again kills some options. But for me, I think a, a DM is, you know, if you want to build a, a super team, a DM is the thing. You, a, a single defensive midfielder that can, uh, you know, mop up, cover players going forward is absolutely perfect yeah I think a lot of people even acknowledge that in, in most clubs I mean I found it very interesting when watching Arsenal Liverpool the other day uh, the difference in shape of the side when Chan came on uh, for Liverpool and that I mean I guess that's just a really simple one but again he is sort of that evolving or at least a, a look at an evolving uh, defensive midfielder um, which most people also label as box to box to box midfielder, which is not the same thing. Uh, box, I box to box midfielder is the most frustrating term in football. It really, I, I don't quite get what it means because literally, the, the, a, lot of, a lot of a lot of essentially the midfield is the bit between the two boxes because that's in the middle of the pitch. Um, I just think it's a, it's a term that they use when when potentially you don't have enough information on the player. Or, or you box, don't know enough. I mean, it's a box, it's, yeah. a box midfielder. It doesn't make any sense. It's just a load of shit. Anyway, is, is there <laughs> Sorry, is there I, such a thing as a box to box midfielder? About that. Is there anyone who's box to box? Can you describe anyone who's box to box? Me, you saying? Well, um, I mean, just any. I mean, just anyone. I mean, you know, is there? I don't, is there I, I don't think that's a position. I honestly don't think that's a position. I think that's that's an old nineties name for a midfielder. I don't feel like that's there anymore. Feel like the positions have been more defined, and a box to box was a category, a box that you put players like Roy Keane and Patrick Vieira in that are pretty different players. It, I mean, it in. does also just sort of it, it definitely describes a player who looks multifaceted. You know, they can make a tackle, but they can also um, and cons sorry, consistently make a tackle, but they can also pass, they can also shoot. I, I don't know if it literally means they cover that space anymore. 
Um, but even then, I, I don't know too many modern box. You've already just field. you've already just described something better than the term box to box midfield. Sorry, I'm just against it. Uh, sorry, yeah. listeners. I'm sorry, guys. I just I'm not a fan of the box to box midfielder. Stephen Gerrard got described as that, but but that was he's not, is he? He's not. I mean, he was he was a very good he was a very good last ditch tackler. But not necessarily the best uh, tackler uh, overall. Although he, you know, there are elements of him that were good, and then he also played out on the right wing, obviously, and he also played just behind mm-hmm. Fernando Torres. But in terms of in one and game, the end, right? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, there, he played a lot of different roles. For, for, he became very malleable under Rafa Benitez, and a lot of people began to use that phrase about him. I don't know if it was consistently applied. He definitely played well all over the pitch at different times. Still don't know if that means box to box. Um, Preston says, I watched Shane Duffy score two own goals and get sent off today. What's the worst individual performance you've seen ever? Uh, I mean, Stephen Gerrard's probably uh, one of those. Uh, sub on at Manchester United, step on a player, walk <laughs> off the pitch. Step on a player, Lawrence. Come on, man. He absolutely he went for him. He lost his shit. <laughs> he really did. I mean, yeah. And, and there's a captain. That is awful. Uh, Chris, any terrible things? Uh, sorry, I shouldn't laugh because this is really cr- and I would would cripple me if this happened to me. It, no, but it, so it, it is terrible, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. How did how did he score two own goals? One of them was really. Uh, I only saw one <laughs> of them. It was a header, and to be honest, it was it was at the point where uh, Blackburn fans were claiming, or some Blackburn fans I should say, were claiming that he did it on purpose. What? Um, because he's been linked with a move away. Uh. Um, and this comes just days after both his dad and his brother took shots at Blackburn fans. His brother tweeted out that they know nothing. Um, and so, yeah, he scored an own goal in the previous game, has now scored two against uh, Blackburn, uh, Cardiff, sorry, um, and then was sent off in the 95th minute um, to compound his, his misery even further. Jeez. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't sound too happy. Spoilers. He returned to English football, which is a shame because on call when I spoke to him, I thought he was a really nice guy. I'm mean, yeah. sure he is. I'm sure he is. Uh, let's find another question. I think we've got another question. Uh, pre- predictions for Saturday's gold medal match between Brazil and Germany. Uh, that one comes from Edward James. You know what? I, th- I think. Uh, I think with Brazil, with their home advantage and Neymar and Jesus. I still think they're going to lose. And the fact it's Germany is also so poetic, isn't it, Dave? Yeah, I think I kind of agree with you. I think the German team has more depth and more quality to it, to be quite honest. Um, But yeah, I think it's going to be an an interesting game. And uh, imagine if it was the 7-1. Yeah, I mean, they've just beaten Honduras 6-0, but let's see. Uh, let's go for this question, which is actually quite an interesting one. Uh, come from Gushan, who says, uh, hashtag Gary Goals, exclamation mark. Do you think Diego Simeone is the next Sir Alex Ferguson? And how do you see Atletico doing this season domestically? Uh, Dave, uh, thoughts? Atletico are going to be brilliant. Um, I think they've got it all now. Tactically, they actually have like every single solution to every single problem. Interesting. You know, this Atletico team started off by playing four central midfielders, two strikers. Last season, we saw the evolution of Koke. We saw the evolution of Antoine Griezmann. We saw the 4-3-3 being played. We saw that in the final of the Champions League. I still feel that Atletico should have won that final if they kept their foot on the gas. Yeah. They kept playing that 4-3-3. But who have they brought in? You know, they brought in uh, uh, Kevin Grimero who's going to help with the goal scoring of Anton Griezmann. It's going to be really interesting, that partnership, actually. You know, Griezmann's, I prefer Griezmann with the target man, with a hold-up player, but they both are very, very quick forwards, um, capable of pressing and, and so forth. Then you've got the likes of uh, Nico Gaitan that's finally left Benfica. Nico Gaitan was brilliant in the Champions League this season. I was a big fan of Benfica, if you remember, Lawrence. I kept on banging on about they're going to win it, win it, and all that crap. But they were very good. They were a very good side, and Nico Gaitan was brilliant. So if Atletico need to... Um, play a 4-3-3 with um, inside players. They've got that. You know, the likes of Griezmann playing wide. Uh, Carrasco maybe on the other side. If they want to play with wingers, again, Gaitan, Carrasco. 4-4-2 they could play with wingers. 4-4-2 they can play with four central midfielders. They've got a brilliant back four. They've not lost any key players this summer, um, you'd say. And I just feel that this is this is it for them. I feel that this... This is. I think they're going to win the, the La Liga next season. I really do. I just believe they've got such depth and quality now that they could easily compete both at Champions League and in La Liga. And like Sol Niguez, 
Koke, Gabri, Thiago's still there. They're just a quality side. Interesting stuff. Uh, Dave, how are you doing on the fantasy football side? Um, I let myself down, so mm. I did a classic mistake, right? I had Joe Art in goal. Yeah, Heard the rumours he was going to get a drop the night before. And stupidly, I waited until the next day, which I woke up in the morning. I was like, I'm going to make this chance, so I'm going to bring in Peter Cech, which is kind of would have lost me points anyway. But um, had some work, urgent work. We had some issues at Squawk at HQ. So I had to jump on the computer, sort that stuff out. By the time that I get to like 11 o'clock, log on to the, the Fantasy Premier League site, and if you've ever gone at 11 o'clock, mate, you can't make any transfers. It just spins out. And I just couldn't bring Peter Cech in. So that was the start of the downfall. I think I only got about 42 points or 43 points in the first week, which is not good enough. You want to average about 50 points. But what about you guys? Lawrence, talk to me. I think I was on very similar to you because I went with, obviously, the hair up at the back, which I don't feel was that bad an idea. Um, and then up front, I think I messed up by putting Musa in the team. Uh, I've I've sw- I've left Musa in, but I swapped out uh, Watford either either Adigalo or Dini I can't remember who for Diego Costa. Uh, and this week I uh, have left Mane in the side, and it looks like he's injured. So <laughs> good stuff. I was going to put Pogba in uh, because I thought debut goal, etc. etc. Celebrate him coming in. I might still do that if I'm honest. Yeah, good. Uh, it's it's been a good podcast to have you guys on, uh, and I'm I'm enjoying the season so far. If you guys want to let us know uh, what you're enjoying so far in the football season, if there's anything you want to see us review or hear us review, do let us know. Uh, obviously, you won't be hearing this if you haven't been transferred over to the new podcast stream, uh, or if you are, if, if somehow you've you found the link and we put it out and you can't get it in its usual place, then let us know if it's not on SoundCloud or something along those lines. Uh, it definitely will make it to iTunes. It definitely will make it onto Acast, which is our brand new uh, server for it. Um, we hope that you're enjoying it in the new season. Uh, I think that means that there might be adverts around this. So please don't be angry that there are adverts because we need to find a way to take the podcast a step further. Hopefully you understand. Uh, if you do... Let us know using the hashtag I am Mark Hughes. Um, and if you if you don't, definitely let us know by using the hashtag um, stop. Um, I, I don't I don't know what to do at that point because we're injecting ads and we're sorry. We're not we're not sorry. We're, we we want to make money so that we can take it a step further for you guys and make it even better. We're not doing it because we're wanting to make millions off the podcast. Um, Plus, so just think how great it would be if we broadcast from Miami one week. Or we just were able to give away prizes. Or, you know, we were... Or Miami. Or... Swings <laughs> around. Always we haven't decided bring... yet. We haven't decided. Yeah. <laughs> but let's get the coppers swelling anyway. Exactly. Lucasade, Lawrence. What's your favourite flavour of Lucasade? I'd say it's the uh, tropical. Or it's sort Nafa. of... That, like that mango-y tasting one. Yeah, yeah. I know which one you mean. I quite like that one. The orange is also great. Did you know if you swill Lucasade around your mouth and spit it out, um, yeah. you will you will have the same effect on your body? Okay, than... Kicked off a train. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> a very good point, actually, Chris. Uh, I, I mean, out on the football pitch, if you uh, take Lucasade in your mouth, swill it round, and then spit it back out, you will still have the same effect on your body uh, as you would if you swallowed it. So, if you then drink water after that, you will have a healthier effect on your body. I'm just saying, it's just advice. Tell you what, this isn't just football. This is this is life lessons. I, do, I mean, I do often find it interesting to see football footballers take uh, liquid in there, spill it around, and spit it back out. And I think that's down to the same advice. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, let's not. Yeah, it's not. I don't know whether it's interesting or not, but it's definitely <laughs> good. Uh, anyway, people, if people want to go and see your analysis, uh, the the three things you learned from the weekend, Dave, uh, they can go over to Dave Talks, right? No, yeah, uh, it's the three talking points, Lawrence. You know, I don't want to steal too many, too many things from you, mate. Well, you've stolen everything else. Um, just give her back to me, and we'll be all right. Dave. Okay, yeah, sorry, man. I think that was a bit too far. The girlfriend, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, th- let's just say that was a joke at that point. Um, <laughs> a really, really poor joke. I was thinking more along the lines of a family member, but that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> lovely girlfriend, uh, Kristen. <laughs> Uh, if people want to go and find you then uh, where can they find you Uh, I am on Twitter at K-H-E-N-E-A-G and this week um, I spoke to an Iraqi 
player of the national team, um, about the future of the national team and how they're kind of wrestling with the country's instability and how that impacts the team overall and their ability to prepare for just games in general. They can't actually play at home. They have to play in Saudi Arabia and and neighbouring countries. Um, And then also for Yahoo, we looked at Deportivo Maldonado. Um, Ten bonus points to anyone who can guess why. Um, And their influence in... Well, actually, it's it's to do with third-party ownership and them being a bridge club. Um, it's For anyone who quite likes the business side of football or things that maybe are a little bit past the superficial, um, I would suggest that because actually in in researching and everything, I found it quite interesting. The same with my interview with Justin Miram, who's the Iraqi national team player. Um, again, it's it's opening yourself up to, to new cultures, new ideas, um, just new facets of the game, which I, I find quite interesting. You also find that you tend to care a little bit more about the people on the pitch when you know a little bit more about them, uh, or at least you have some background. Exactly, and you know, it's for me in particular, I was quite lucky because I knew Columbus quite well as a as a club. They were able to vouch for me with Justin, so then we could have a little bit more of a frank conversation. It didn't feel so nerve-wracking, at least on my end, in terms of asking questions. And I think personally I did it in a way that was honest enough to where I accepted and acknowledged what I didn't know told him what I did know and we kind of filled in the blanks uh, thereafter Very nice, Uh, well go take a look at Kristen's work, in the coming weeks we will be doing some videos of Kristen on TF3's YouTube so if you aren't really subscribed over there go and take a listen, it's been lovely to have you guys on the channel uh, and it's lovely to have you guys on the podcast as well and we'll see you again, don't forget say say to Adam, uh, safe trip just saying Um, We'll see you again real soon on TF3. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Bye. Just yeah, no, uh, just call it a Q and A Thursday, right?